welcome to another episode of Diversity. I am joined by Zoe, the Head of People at Impression. Uh, Impression are an old friend of ours, I suppose now. Um, we've been working with them since uh, November 2020 um, on their DNI strategy uh, and the impact that's having with them. Uh, good morning. Good morning. How are you? Yeah, really good. It's been a shining. So Beautiful. It's, it's nice. so hot. Yeah. <laughs> Second heat wave. I know. Loving it. Loving it. Um, so today we're going to be talking about representation in tech. I think it's a really important topic to, to discuss. It's something that's heavily publicised. Um, and I think, yeah, it's just a, a really important thing that, that we, we cover. Um, so I suppose getting into the, the nitty gritty of it, why does it matter? Why does representation in, in tech or any industry matter? Yeah, so from my personal perspective, because um, I guess it is such a personal thought and question on that, um, I just think that diversity enriches our lives massively. Like if I think about my group of friends mm. um, and just people I know in my life, it, like they are such a diverse mix of people and through them that brings me different experiences and different viewpoints on things and I just think if I had just st- stuck with like the same people who were like me, mm. who like went to the same school, who did these things, like it would just be so boring and I yeah. just would be like so naive to the world and I just think that so applies in, in the workspace because... Um, if I was doing a piece of work and I just got the same opinion as I had on the piece of work, how does that help me grow? How does that help me be a better person? Yeah. And so when we're thinking about like teams and businesses like wider, um, having people who don't think the same way as you is like a real positive. It brings out the best in you. It helps you grow. Um, so representation across all different areas, you know, it really um, like opens people's minds. It helps people to understand things from like different perspectives to their own, and we just do better work. And I yeah. think it makes life more enjoyable as well. Like we have better conversations because of it. Absolutely. And differences of opinion is not confrontation. It's just like, oh, have you thought about it like this? I personally love like someone looking at something I've said and or like written or whatever, and kind of going, oh, what do you think about maybe kind of flipping it this way? And I'm like, oh yeah, that's great. Like it's inspiring. Yeah. So I think that's why representation is so important because it pushes us to think differently. And especially in like a creative industry and in the tech industry, yeah. like I think that's even more important that we have like a diverse perspective on a whole range of different like pieces of work that we're doing. Definitely. And I think with kind of the creative and tech industry, it is, it's very white and historically has been very male led as well. And mm. almost like a bit of a boys club. Um, do you feel that's kind of starting to change a little bit? Do you think we're starting to see kind of better recruitment strategies to try and bring more diverse people into to organisations? Yeah, and I think as well, um, people probably aren't as receptive to working for those companies that are built that way either yeah. anymore. Um, and I think that's a real positive as well, that people are being a bit more choosy about who they want to work for. Yeah. Um, I mean, they're calling it this period of time, aren't they? The Great Resignation, which yeah. is hilarious. <laughs> um, but, but there's something really in that, in the fact that it is a candidate's market at the moment. And that, therefore, you're going to, if you kind of feel that way, you're going to look at, like, who will I be working with? Are there people like me who work there? Mm. What's their kind of stance on things? What's their values? Like and actually make the choice based on that rather than like who's going to pay me more yeah. like I actually think that it's really flipped in terms of like the motivation for someone joining a company so if you, you know well obviously I think it's important to have it authentically anyway yeah. but if you were just kind of sticking to that type of like yeah all kind of male white population and not shifting from that just naturally you're going to start losing people or not be able to attract people yeah I think 
I, I, some people who listen to, to the podcast have probably heard me say this on numerous occasions. I get really excited about Gen Z. And I think yeah. what's happening just now, this kind of revolution that's happening and kind of calling businesses out on, well, actually, I've read your job description. There's no flexibility. There's no kind of openness to kind of me being able to work either completely remotely or kind of part-time in the office, part-time from home. Um, what's your stance on s- sustainability in particular mm. as well? We're kind of really seeing some amazing pushback, especially to the bigger organisations as well. And that's kind of got them quaking in their boots a little bit. And I think this is why we're seeing a lot more businesses focus on B Corp status. And I know that's something Impression's been, mm. been looking at as well. Um, and I think over the next couple of years, it's going to be really exciting and interesting to see how the landscape of work is going to change because of this generation that's that's coming through. I'm really sad, like, I keep on reading about them because I kind of want to be part of that generation, but I'm now, I think I'm an elder millennial. I think that's what they call <laughs> us now, um, which I don't know how I feel about that, but I think it's, yeah, I think it's it's good to see businesses being called out on the BS that's that's kind of flown past before yeah definitely and even like seeing um like panels Mm. for like um talks or whatever like people going well that's a panel of people who all look the same and and calling it out and like people going oh god okay yeah we need to like think about the diversity that we're we're showing within our panel the representation that we're showing within our panels even on just like talks otherwise people won't go exactly like why would they be interested in going to your talk if you've just got like a, a whole bunch, bunch of white, white dudes, yeah. yeah, like talking, like they've had their time to give their opinion, pretty much. Like you know, it's time for other people to to come out and speak. And I, I'm completely the same. I'm really excited by the fact that like people are being more cheesy and you know yeah. calling stuff out. Like it's really inspirational. Yeah, I think we've seen a lot of it on LinkedIn, haven't we? Especially with panels and and being called mm-hmm. out. There's and businesses being called out when yeah. they're trying to represent a view, and then people who work there are like, um, hang on a second. Yeah. <laughs> so I think like people can't yeah like be false. Like it will you will get found out if you are like that trying to do it for reasons that aren't true. Absolutely yeah. So we we had a, a really interesting discussion with uh, a client of ours a couple of months ago, um, who were at a university, a small university down south, and we were having a really open discussion about what candidates should be asking when they are coming for an interview, for instance, especially candidates who perhaps have a protected characteristic um, and the impact of what going for an interview kind of really looks to them. And we kind of said that, obviously, if you want to know what the representation is within an organisation, ask for the DNI statistics and kind of, are you going to be the only person who looks like you in the room? Um, are you going to be that kind of one person they pick out for marketing pictures um, over and over again, which we see all the time? Yeah. Um, and one of the academics came forward and said, I really don't think that's fair that we're putting that on a candidate who's going for an interview. And a candidate actually came forward and with a rebuttal and kind of said, well, actually, you have no idea what we have to ask. And the, the student who came forward was a, a young black woman. And she was like, we have to ask these questions day in, day out when we're going for job interviews. Even when we're applying for university, am I going to be represented on, within the academic team? Mm-hmm. Am I going to be represented uh, within the student body? Um, and nine times out of ten, the, question, the answer is no, especially kind of within, I think this, this one particular student was going into the creative industry and she was like, 
I don't want to go into that industry as part of an organisation because I feel like I'm not going to be represented um, and I don't want to be that one stereotype that a business rolls out constantly. So she's setting up on her own and she's going to kind of, she wants to create a, a business predominantly run by black women, uh, which is really powerful. Yeah, it is, yeah. But it's also quite sad mm-hmm. that that has to happen because she just doesn't want to be part of that that conversation. There's also a really amazing TED talk um, called Rent a Minority. I don't know if you've ever heard of it before. If not, I can send it to you. Um, And it's about a uh, Indian woman who's also a lesbian um, in America and she was fed up of being rolled out as a stereotype, as marketing. Oh, it's Pride Month. Oh, we'll put her on the front cover of the magazine. Oh, it's um, South Asian Awareness Month. Well, we'll do the same thing. So she was like, I'm going to get my own back a little bit. And she set up a website called Rent a Minority, which was completely tongue-in-cheek, but had a message behind it. And it was targeting businesses where they could register their interest to rent a minority for the day. Um, And if you read the website, you would know it was a complete piss take. Um, But she went with it and she said that some of the biggest companies in the world were registering on her website to rent a minority for the day because they had a marketing thing coming up or they had like a, a group day where the CEOs were coming into the organisation to, to kind of look at the team or come and talk to the team. So they wanted to look like they had a really good representation for the day. Um, but she said what the saddest thing was is they had an obscene number of people from a minority register to be a minority. Mm-hmm. So it just shows like how much further we've still got to go that people feel like they have to do something like that to help a business that isn't being authentic yeah. with diversity and inclusion. It's really, really sad. Um, but yeah, I, I highly recommend it. it. She's really, really funny, um, but it's just got such a powerful, powerful message behind it as well. Um, what do you think we can do to help plug the gap? So obviously before we start recording, we were talking a little bit about... Um, bringing wider representation into the industry. But when we look at universities and things like that, it's a very small population of, especially ethnicity, who are looking to come into the creative and tech industry. Where do you think we need to start to kind of help plug that gap? Yeah, and I think it has to be an investment in the future. And I think this is probably where a lot of businesses are reluctant to kind of get involved in that side because mm. they're not going to see the return on investment immediately or even within like the first two years. Yeah. Um, but it's so important though to, to kind of go into that like school age when people are making their choices about what they are going to start studying because I guess it's kind of different now to when I was at school but yeah. you sort of have to choose a route. Yeah. And like I, I don't know how on earth like you pick that at that age and then kind of have to follow that. That's guess, it, yeah. <laughs> that's really hard. So like how do you make that choice without the information there and without hearing from people and understanding like what options there are Mm. um and that's so that's where i kind of feel like even if a business like can't kind of see the immediate like it's we all have a duty to to actually get involved and educate people at at that stage and understand what the options are that's not just you go to university yeah um because i think that's always traditionally been the route um but now i think that that whole again there's like a whole shift like again like people making educated choices like do Mm. they have to um, do that they're questioning it a little bit more like this is this is important so therefore businesses need to kind of catch up and think it's not all just the grad route all the time um, and that is where I would really like us to kind of start really yeah. um, and just understand like you know you might have inspired the next generation um, it's almost like the same with global warming like I think yeah. a lot of people 
don't understand the importance of actually like the future like you know I think they're kind of thinking in their heads oh well I'll be dead so it doesn't matter well what about your children or your children's children yeah this is why it's really important and I think there's so many inspiring stories that I've heard from people talking about like their parents experience versus then their child's experience of the same thing but because of the generational kind of shift yeah. it's like it's moved forward and it's like how important is that and like we can keep on contributing to that um, and that definitely makes sense in, in terms of career because we have like the opportunity now to kind of shape that generation and, and show them what they could do and the potential that they have and inspire yeah. um, but we have to put the effort in to do it do you think technology will also have a big impact on their decision making because I mean I don't know about you so I'm, I'm 36 so when I was at school I had a Nokia 3210 and to load the internet took about four years to actually <laughs> yeah. do um, so I didn't have the silly at my, at my fingertips what was available and kind of what sort of jobs were out there and things like that do you think that's going to make a big impact on the decision making of, of those young people yeah 100% um, in fact actually just at the weekend we were sort of laughing with one of my friends who has a 7 year old mm. um, who wants to be an influencer as his job it's a top job and it is, it's a career <laughs> yeah, yeah it's a totally valid career yeah. like we might not massively understand it because that no. was <laughs> when we were there but even like my friend was saying that her 7 year old watches YouTube videos of kids playing with toys yeah. and that is influencing a seven-year-old like it's just bizarre to me because I just yeah we didn't grow up in that generation but like the jobs that were available to us are going to be completely different to the jobs that are available to that generation um and the fact that you know a three-year-old can completely control an ipad and know exactly what they're doing with it like they're going to be super smart and tech savvy so you know a lot of stuff can be like self-taught and I think again like when we're talking about what are the different routes what are the different options if you can kind of teach yourself a lot of this stuff, like you've got the same then level of experience as someone who might have studied for it. Yeah. So that's exciting because it doesn't mean that you have to sort of go down the traditional route for that. Actually, you can if you can apply yourself and have the motivation to do it yourself. Um, there's a lot of DIY kind of available there to you. Is, yeah. so. I think there's some amazing organisations out there as well that can support people kind of making the shift into, especially tech. So you've got Code First Girls, for instance, yeah. which are just incredible. Um, I think during the pandemic they trained something like 500,000 women during the pandemic which was just unbelievable if mm. you, you think about kind of what we were all going through um, but the fact that that's open to any female or um, non-binary person to take up a six-week course and actually learn how to create your own website which is going to be really important especially if you're going into the creative industry so you've got that skill set and that knowledge I yeah. think that's because we've have. had people apply for roles here um, who were like a pilot, you know, 18 mm. months ago. And in that time, they've taught themselves SEO and actually have got the job, which wow. is amazing. So I think, again, like that kind of shows, doesn't it, that the pandemic made people like reevaluate what do they want to do. It also gave people the space and time to be able to think about like retraining of skills. Um, so they haven't gone the traditional route, but yeah. it was like, well, on paper, they're, they're great. They can do the, yeah. the stuff. So why wouldn't we go with them? Like, I think that brings in diversity of life skills as well. So mm. having someone who's been a pilot, who's had a completely different route and different experiences to someone who perhaps has wanted to do this their whole life is, is amazing. Could only be good for, for the organisation as well. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, what more do you think we can do is... I suppose as a society and specifically speaking in the creative industry and tech industry, what more can be done to create better representation and actually have better discussions? So I think something that I've been really considering and like reflecting on 
um, is the fact that we all sort of do these things in silo. Yeah. If you think about it, like everyone is working to the, for the same cause, but mm. all doing it completely separately. Um, and I was speaking to um, like a company recently who want to try and like get together with a, a lot of different agencies and um, really sort of pool the resources effectively. And I said like I love this idea because like it isn't just about like impression. It's about everyone, it's that duty yeah. and responsibility in the wider society and the wider community. But the problem is when you're like a company of, you know, a lot of agencies are very small, like a company yeah. of like 20 and you've only got X budget, you know, what can you do with that? Like, I think that's the challenge that a lot of people feel is like, how can they overcome that and like make a difference with just that kind of limited resource? Yeah. Um, but then if they, you know, pulled in with everybody else and we were all sort of serving the same cause, we can have better conversations, we could like, you know, get guest speakers in who might have been out of the price range for X company, but if we all sort of say, we'll club set up together. a club, club yeah. together and do a Zoom together, um, that would be amazing. So yeah. I think like, that's something that we need to kind of, you know, almost like drop the ego, drop the idea that we're a company, like we, we are all just humans. Um, so if we can, yeah, <laughs> so if we can kind of do that together, yeah. I think like you do more, there's more power together yeah. than there is separate. Like it's, we just know that, but I think in business, because, you know, you are a competitor. Yeah. You know, you don't really think about it like that. Like, oh yeah, I want to approach my competitor and say, shall we get together? But that's really important that we kind that. of, I don't know, like take that away and, you know, consider like, how can we have an open, grown up, transparent conversation? Yeah. Because actually like none of us are bigger than this issue. Um, so I think that's something that I think is a real important thing. And I really want to try and make well. a difference on that. And like, yeah, like be really open. Like happy to share stuff we're yeah. doing. Happy to be like talking about it. If you want to use like, these policies that we've created yeah. um, is huge because if you think about it as well, um, recently in the news, people sharing their policies around like DNI stuff, yeah, and like how much that has added to the conversation. And rather than them kind of keeping it to themselves and then being like, oh yeah, and like we're we're doing this thing over here, they've been like, we've done this and here it is on the website if you want to read it and basically yeah. copy it. Great, like how great is that? I think that's that? amazing. I think because I think we've seen as Hallam as much as Hallam's a competitor to to impression. They've been doing a lot around um, like miscarriage policies mm. and things like that, which we're starting to now see a real trend within DNI that this is actually starting to happen. Um, and just being able to share that because they were very public about it, they're very open about um, kind of what they were doing. And I think that's that again is really powerful. Just kind of putting out there that mm. if you want to have this, you can have this. We're willing to to share kind yeah. of what we've been working and towards. it not being like a braggy. Oh, look at us! We're so far far thing thinking and yeah. you know all this kind of stuff. It's more like oh, like this is what we want to share out with everybody and yeah. like take it if you want it. Like it just kind of feels a little bit more like mutual rather yeah. than it kind of yeah being like one sided. I love that. I think that, that yeah, I think that's really powerful. It's something that we're we're actually going to be uh, working on quite soon. So we can have a conversation once. Oh. It's finished. Yeah. <laughs> um, obviously, we're coming out of a pandemic, um, and the landscape of work has changed over the last twelve to eighteen months. What's your thoughts on flexible working? Do you think it's a positive, or do you think that kind of more people need to be back in the office? I'm such a pro flexible worker. Yeah. completely. Um, we're in the office today. Yeah, the way, <laughs> we are. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, but that's my choice. You know, that's flexibility in, in itself, isn't it? Like, 
um, you know, having kind of a bit of a best of both, whatever mm. fits what you're doing. And um, so I should give the context in the podcast that I've only been at Impression for three yes. months. Yeah. <laughs> um, but one of the first things that obviously we wanted to talk about when I first came in, it was that period of time where the um, stay at home message was changing. Yeah. So we were sort of thinking, okay, well, how can we address this as a business and what feels right for us as a business? And I was just seeing everywhere, like even at my last company, it was like, oh, you must come into the office like three days a week. And like, I, I have this opinion and I feel like nobody else has this because I've been speaking to like my counterparts and other businesses yeah. and yet everyone's gone with this structured thing. And I'm like, how can you talk about flexibility and then give people a shift pattern? Yeah. <laughs> like how, that's not flexibility, <laughs> no, is it? Like, not, you're, still, no. you're still telling them, you're still prescribing their yeah. agenda. And I just hated that concept because like as well, like I don't know, it just sort of it just made me feel like it was very parent child. Yeah. Um. So I was thinking, like, how can we be more like adult about it and sort of say, like, look, you've been doing this for the best part of eighteen months. We trust you. Yeah. Um. So the way we've gone about it and the approach is um pretty much, and it's on LinkedIn and I think it's on the website. So anyone again, we've yeah, shared it. Is, anyone yeah, go yeah. have a look at it. Um. And we've kind of gone for, um. This is the task I'm doing like this is where I might want to work today yeah. and some of them are dual so some of the tasks are like you could do it at home you could do it in the office kind of your preference but there are certain things that we're saying we want people to come together because we still see the value in bringing people together yeah. and it'd be like if you're having your personal review um, if we're having a team meeting like a monthly team meeting we've got a quarterly business update that we always have and that's always going to be in person yeah. bringing everyone together so at least like four times in the year we've got a touch point um, and client meetings, of course, you know, it, well, based on what a client wants, but we would say, you know, it'd be great <clears> if you could kind of host them in the office or go to their office. Yeah. But things like, you know, you've got a day of calls. I mean, what is the point of you commuting in to then come and sit on a headset and yeah. then commute back again? Like, just makes no sense. So our whole thing is if you're being collaborative, if you're being creative, you know, you might want to use like the whiteboards and, you know, have a change of scenery, come in. Um, if you're doing something that kind of needs quiet time, mm. don't. But then also, we were very much like, um, if it's your preference that you want to come in every day, that's fine. Because again, like people saying, oh, um, you can only come in three days a week. So if someone wants to come in every day, can they? Yeah, exactly. Because yeah, are no... they allowed? So our thing was, you know, if you prefer the office environment, come in. You know, if you think about our demographic as well, we've got people who um, live in shared housing. And so it's not really appropriate for yeah. them to work, you know, from their bedroom. Yeah. Like it's probably, you know, people are doing it in the pandemic and I think it really caused a lot of mental health issues. Um, so they want the space and freedom, whereas we have other people that now, you know, have children, have had children in lockdown, and actually for their routine, it works out that they, they can do the school run, to... yeah. you know, it kind of, you know, for being at home, like, it just gives them what they need from yeah. a family point of view. So I think in, in that sense, when we relate it back to D&I, you know, from like a family-friendly point of view, whether you're male or female, that like massively impacts like being able to be flexible and kind of make it work for your situation. And not just families, you know, I think people forget that like there's a sandwich generation where people are carers for parents as well. And that can be really difficult. And if you're like commuting into a city and then getting back and, you know, by the time you got back, it's like half six, but then you still need to go around yeah. to see your parent. <laughs> you know, like it's like that's a lot for someone to have to deal with. Whereas if they're at home and their parents are 10 minutes away, they can close the laptop at half five and then be there by quarter to six. It yeah. makes a massive difference. Um, also for people, we have people who work with us um, who have chronic conditions, health conditions, and yeah. actually the, the fact that they can't travel like, like as much as you know anybody else has impacted their ability to get jobs in the past. Yeah. Whereas now it's like, oh, you, you only need to come in like, you know, whenever it kind of suits your agenda to, just makes a massive difference. Like gives them so much freedom. Yeah. Obviously we support their setup at home and stuff, but 
um, like there's just so many aspects where it affects people like in a positive way um, and we've not seen any difference in, in the output at all if anything like yeah. I think because we're saying like if you want to be creative come in if you don't like you know all that kind of stuff it helps people do their work better so like massive pro like really want to kind of lead the way on this and yeah, yeah like real trailblaze and um, kind of just show like what is possible yeah. um, and I think yeah like people are quite reluctant and there's that idea of um kind of presenteeism still in certain companies I just think why like just yeah like there's just so many benefits and I, I mean you, you look at companies like PwC who are obviously a huge organisation and they'd spent millions on a new building in Birmingham solely for their staff and now they've said if you want to work from home you can work from home so if companies like that who have millions yeah. of millions of pounds in the bank could be like oh well we built this building but you don't have to come and use it if you don't want to then why can't everybody else? Yeah, exactly. And we're, so we've, um, changing our office that like we're going to do a company fit out and yeah, like nice. really kind of refresh it, which is great, but it's also made us think about, um, how could we make the office environment more inclusive? Yeah. Now we've got the opportunity to, because yeah, it's like the time where we needed to move top desk. We needed to kind yeah. of reconfigure the office because of this like new future of work. Um, and it's like, oh yeah, we should have like, you know, in this room that we're sitting in, it's very like glass and open. Yeah, yeah. Um, and all of the doors like are lockable, but actually we're going to have like blinds um, put down on here so that we've got a room for someone if they wanted to pray or if they were breastfeeding oh, or whatever like that, which is great. Um, we've talked about like how we can make the area um, like if you were in a wheelchair, more wheelchair friendly because yeah. at the moment there's a few like barriers yeah. and things which probably aren't. Um, so it's really like, oh, this is amazing because we know that we're going to recruit a more diverse workforce going yep. forward. So it's like, how can we set us up for success with our physical space if people did want to come in? Yeah. Um, which I think is a real, like, amazing moment yeah. that we can, you know, kind of put a different spin on it and think about it in a different way and it not be the traditional, here's my desk and I sit here and here's my drawers. Yeah. You know, like, it's like, yeah, let's like kind of really think outside the box of it. Oh, I love that. No, I think that, that's really exciting and I think it's, it's really refreshing to hear I think we had a lot of false promises from a lot of organisations during the pandemic that, yeah, we're open to flexibility, but when it's come back to it, no, we actually want you back in, in the mm. office. So, yeah, no, I think, I think that's amazing. I suppose leading on from that, have you seen an increase in diverse candidates and hires based on the fact that you are kind of going for a more flexible approach to, to working? Yeah, we definitely have, um, particularly location-wise, I suppose, because we're saying, like, you know, as long as you can get to either Nottingham or London once every so often. Yeah. Um, so that's meant that people are applying from like loads of different areas, which is great. So it's not just like Nottingham, London yeah, all yeah. the time. So it's bringing more diversity into like, you know, people from Scotland applying. Nice. Like, yeah, it's just really lovely to kind of see that. Um, and also from, like I said, um, this disability angle, because mm. it means that someone doesn't have to commute, which is great. Yeah. So um, we've definitely seen an increase in um, those applications from those people. Um, and just thinking about like as well people having retrained yeah because that's a huge thing where people have just become self-taught in certain aspects of things which again we wouldn't have seen if like yeah. pandemic hadn't happened um so it is changing and also like i said you know from this whole like great resignation thing um people being more choosy yeah. like it, it's meant that like we have to really think about like well what's our usp why would someone want to come and work for us yeah um, which i think is a really good thing because people like can't really well when i say people organizations can't rest on their laurels and just expect the same amount of candidates to come through same job descriptions over and over exactly. again you really have to think about it yeah yeah you have to really think about like how can we like 
get a hook and bring people in and make them want to work for us and be a destination employer. So Definitely. like, I'm really up for that challenge. I think it's a really good one. <laughs> yeah, I think just because obviously I keep a close eye on impression because obviously I've known you guys for, for a very, very long time and it's nice to see constantly on LinkedIn and social media that all these new hires that are coming through and they are people from everywhere and there's, mm. there is a an influx of diverse representation that, that's coming into the organisation. So that's obviously through all the hard work that, that's been going on in the background. So I think it's, yeah, I think it's really exciting. Yeah, I think so too. And, and as well, like one thing I didn't mention either was age. Yeah. So um, typically, I guess, you know, you see agency, you see a ping pong table, yeah. you see all that kind of stuff. And older people are going to be like, I don't want to work there. Yeah. Even, even like someone in their 30s so now starting a family, like I don't want to go out boozing every night. Exactly. Like, it's not for me. Yeah. So I think um, there are certain agencies probably who really still play on that like thing like this is what we do we're cool we're young whatever whereas we as a business have a very diverse range of clients so therefore it's natural that we then have a diverse range of people yeah. and what I've really enjoyed seeing is um kind of older I need to say older not that much older but you know what I mean like not your kind of typical gen z fresh out yeah. really applying for roles it's like actually people are looking at us now and thinking oh you know their policies support every life stage and that's what I would love to see is like you know that's that's what we want to have as our kind of USP um, so we're working towards that 100% yeah, that's amazing I think it's a really important thing to, to focus on as well I think it, in d it's something that's forgotten about quite a lot is the, the age gap mm. um, because there are so many people in their 40s and 50s who have decided to retrain and actually know that tech is such an important thing in today's world. Um, we had a, a student when I worked at the university who was, he was 52, and he was a project manager, and he would train the graduates as they came in, but as he trained them, they surpassed them, and they were getting promoted, and he was stuck in the same position. He was like, well, I don't want to be doing this for the rest of my life. So he decided to retrain in computer science and ended up getting a, a first, I think, in computer science but really struggled when he went into the graduate market because they were like, well, why would we want to give you a job when you're closer to retirement than someone who's perhaps 21, 22? And he really had to push and push and push through. And eventually the business did see the value in him because he had so much life experience mm. as well. And not only had he trained in computer science, he'd also had that experience as a project manager as well. So he was able to find the right organisation eventually, but it was just sad that he had to go through that. And even when he was looking for an internship, so he did a, a sandwich course, and when he was in his third year, he really struggled because they were like, well, why would, again, we want to hire someone who's older? And it just, it just blew my mind that he has so much experience mm. that businesses just didn't even want to look at him. So yeah. And again, the, the representation side. So if you've just got people who are at the same life stage, yeah. again, that's quite boring. Like exactly. You know, yeah. I, I really enjoyed working. In fact, in my last role, I sat next to um, this guy who oh, just absolutely loved. Yeah. He was probably like mid to late. 50s I'm definitely on the road to retirement yeah and he was just a fountain of knowledge <laughs> and like such a great guy and he was so open to like because his kids were really obviously pushing the boundaries asking questions yeah. you know they were having great dinner table conversations so he'd come in and like talk to me about it and be like oh they've they've mentioned this thing and you know we'd have like these amazing conversations but I would learn so much off him as yeah, well yeah. and his incredible life like stories you know he was born in South Africa he kind of came over wow. you know all of his life is like really interesting to me yeah and I'm really valued his opinion so I think again like going back to that whole like why would you want everyone to look like you and be like you like, exactly. it's just, you don't really get a lot from it so. exactly definitely um what's next for impression for DNI? so I know we had a brief chat before we started what what what's your hopes and dreams kind of moving us forward 
Um, yeah, so a few things kind of, I suppose, in the pipeline, a yeah. few things we've already started doing, which is great. Um, one of the things that I was really keen on internally um, that I wanted to do kind of almost straight away is um, it was to really firm up the salary banding piece okay. because they had open, transparent salary bands. Um, and so what I've just done is sort of firm that up a little bit more um, with the view that regardless of what role you're doing, if your role is categorised at a certain level and then sub-level, mm. you're paid the same. So there will never be a mismatch between men and women or whatever yeah, in that, that or for whatever reason um, because it's based on the criteria of the job. So that feels like a really great sort of win. That, that yeah. They were sort of doing that anyway in principle, but I think now we've like really made it sort of you know, firm, definite, official. Yeah. Um, so that's fantastic because there's just going to be no issues in that area anymore. Yeah. Um, not that there were, but you know, I just think that more companies would be better off doing that yeah. personally. Um, and um, yeah, thinking about like some of our policies, because um, they had obviously all of the policies in place, but we're doing like, a huge refresh and considering, Excellent. yeah, like what do we want to have yeah. as an employer and like what things matter to us and what things matter to our people and really being led by that, yeah. thinking about how inclusive they can be and um, yeah, just like, and I find that just so exciting. Um, I really do. Um, and then, um, as I was mentioning to you before, we want to set up something called the impact team yep. that will be um, well-being, so physical and mental, CSR, um, and then DNI as well. Um, and it will be compiled of like volunteers from across the business. So obviously, bringing in a wealth of diverse opinion, a wealth of different experiences, yep. um, all you know, with their kind of own probably personal stories. Um, and what I want to see happen is that we as a team kind of decide what's going to be our like year one strategy, what yeah. areas do we want to focus on first and why, you know, it, it can't be just because it's popular in the media. It's like, why does it matter to us? Yeah. Where's it going to make a difference, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and hopefully, you know, by, you know, a group of us doing it, yeah. we can get kind of more work done and, um, and really make the impact that we want to see, hence the impact team, yeah. because that's what we want to, to have happen, is, is have like an impact on lots of people in a positive way. Yeah, I, th- I think that's really important as well. And I th- we, we touched on it briefly before that usually d and landed on HR and it's an HR responsibility, which should never be the case. And I think having like an impact team or a resource group or anything like that within your organisation is where you're going to see the biggest impact, and especially having some of your leaders as part of that group as well, because mm. at the end of the day, they're the ones who can do something about it. They're the ones who sign off budget. They're the ones who kind of can make the difference within, within an organisation. So I think these sorts of groups are really important for progress, especially with mental health as well. It's something that's not overly kind of discuss issues if we have a DNI group and then we'll have someone come and do mental health training so actually bringing that as part of it because the impact that we saw last year with Black Lives Matter and the mental health impact that had on our black friends and colleagues it all comes together it's all part of one conversation so mm-hmm. no I think I think that's that's amazing and, and kudos to you guys for for doing it yeah um thank you so much for for your time today I think it's um it's always nice to have a conversation with a business who are actually in it and actually having these conversations and, and doing the work. And like I said, I'm a big fan of impressions. So um, it's nice to see the, the, the changes that are happening. So thank you so much. No, thanks. It's been great chatting. Thank you.